0: You're listening to Red Nation Online. Friday, March 25th, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and we're post-match from Canada's 3-0 loss to Mexico in Group A of the fourth round of World Cup qualifying. Despite half the pod having high hopes for points, the other side's bringing a pragmatic look to the loss and underlines how Honduras and El Salvador draw was the key result of the night. We're still optimistic looking ahead as we break down the match, key performers from both Mexico and Canada, and look ahead at our odds progressing to the hex all this and more on the next 45 minutes on East side stand up football factory, and, and there's not a lot of Canada supporters here. A lot of cheers going up for the for the green, and not for the red. But everyone will know by now. I think I think the thing I wanted to start it off with is sort of say, like, I mean, obviously we all looked at our Twitter. People are disappointed, but I still think, without coming across like homers there is a bit of perspective that can still be put into this match. Sure. That sure. isn't that doesn't set into gloom doom and gloom. That there well, is still there is still I don't want to call it overly optimistic, but not a negative spin on this game.
1: Well I think I think the result of the match was the Honduras and El Salvador tying two too. Because arguably now, uh, even if even if Canada lose in Mexico, they can draw out to, and still qualify for the Hex, right? And at the beginning of the day, that should have been really what mattered, right? Getting through, right? So, you know, it would have been great to get something. That was The crowd looked amazing. And it was good to get that many people. And I think if we had won or even drew it, it would have been an iconic moment. But in sports, it's about, you know, getting to the next level. And... I think Canada has a good chance of doing that right now. Then, you know, the irony is is if Canada tied Mexico and Honduras beat El Salvador, Canada
0: would have been in a worse off position right now, right? Yeah, and yet, the funny thing in quotes is that you, know, you made an interesting point saying if Canada actually did tie Mexico or did play this really gritty game that oh, yeah, on, yeah. on top, <laughs> that, that might have actually made Tuesday a worse situation sure. for Canada going into Azteca with sure. Sure. Mexico saying, "Fuck! Now we're pissed, yeah, and we're it. really gonna hammer home the point that we're the better team." <laughs> yeah. That was what was on the line. Well, again,
1: you know, we we gonna if we're going to the World Cup, which is our goal, you know, this is the first of four games against Mexico, right, and. You know, it's where, where are the cliches of wars. It's not about the battle; it's about the war and collateral damage. Like, take as minimal amount of collateral damage so you can go on and fight the next battle. And you know, it's not our results against Mexico that's going to give us World Cup qualifiers. It's just games against Jamaica, Guar- you know, Guatemala, I guess. Today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No shit. Teach
1: USA I wasn't, but um, you know, it's those games that are going to have more say in terms of what's going through than. You know, a Point for Mexico, which would have been, it would have been a huge upset no matter what. You know, like I bet a bit, and even though the game was in Canada today, I think Canada was nine to one underdogs going into the game. So again, I wasn't expecting much, and I, you know, for the most part, I thought, you know, I, I thought they could have been more clinical, and I thought they could play smarter. But you know, partly it's kind of what I expected. Yeah, the league, right. It, I think
0: from my side. Obviously, I do previews for like TFC in Canada, and I do sort of like, I do project best case best <laughs> okay. case scenarios sometimes. You say what? You
1: signs the draw, or yeah? Oh, okay, I did, okay.
0: and I did sort of like you know, I, you know, I look at things like I said in the best case scenario, and I did look at Canada's midfield in the form of Kyle Laren and say, you know, the potential is there for something to, to go in Canada's favor, and if everything fell the exact right way, yeah. I don't think calling for a, a draw is that outrageous yeah, and and to at be, Canada. And to be honest about me,
1: is I certainly support the home team, yeah. but my bigger passion is for soccer, and the way I follow soccer is for soccer, than the home team. And, and it's interesting because I was a little late coming in. And the two names I asked you about were, you know, Lorenzo, Luzano. Lore- Luzano. Luzano and uh, Hernandez. <laughs> Which shortly after they they were the g- difference makers in the game, right? Yeah, so. yeah.
0: And maybe if we maybe if we go into this game a little bit sure. and talk about Canada, maybe some surprises in the starting lineup okay. that Canada put out there. Maybe not so much surprises in the formation, but I I definitely was a little bit surprised to see that. You know, if you look at this back line, you had straight starting at center back yeah. and Daniel Henry starting at right back. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, of course, you would have expected Atiba Hutchinson to be a, as a defensive midfielder. In a midfield, I don't think that big was a surprise. Hoylett, De Guzman, Johnson, Ricketts, Will Flair on top. Maybe the only question mark would have been would, have, would um, Benito Flor taken a risk with our field starting off the hop? Sure. Or I saw some, some you know, very legitimate arguments saying, you know, Flora has a very, uh, you know, he's a specific system he's putting in place and Ricketts would have been more familiar
1: with Well, and again, I think the one question I would have, and it's easy to say this in hindsight, but has the game at this level passed the Guzman? And that would have been one of my concerns going into it because I knew Toronto, Canada would be playing a chasing game, a defensive game, and a game where they're going to be outskilled on the pitch. And could he keep up with the action against him? And in a couple incidents, we saw him chasing. I don't think the Mexico scored on those plays, but we saw him chasing plays, which you kind of want younger legs trying to
0: do that chasing. Yeah, and I think that was the, the flip side of De Guzman, because obviously he's a guy that his background technically should be okay to match up in a match like this but uh in his younger days so to speak like when he was at toronto FC, really his best games were playing against cruz oh, okay. azul um playing against mexican teams those are really when toronto FC supporters could have turned out and said oh shit he is actually he is actually worth his dp money and when he was playing these more gritty you know dirty north American or american teams he didn't look as good but against a more technical team he actually suited that better um, and if we go if we kind of like look at that lineup and then look how the game played out I mean when you came in it was pretty early on and early on my characterization of the match was yeah Canada looked like they were getting some better possession in the early going in this game in terms of just minutes but maybe not effective possession yeah Yeah. I mean they were pinging it around the mid the midpoint of the field, passing it back to Boyan, moving it up, whereas in those sequences, I'm talking maybe like the first 20 minutes of the game, and then Mexico would get it, and they would be three or four passes, and they'd be in the final third. Well, it's interesting, because I mentioned it to you today, because
1: I've been sort of, um, which I always tend to do, but I've been sort of becoming soccer-centric this week, and I've actually watched a couple of youth games that take place, there's just Dallas, Pepsi Cup, which is a big youth tournament in Dallas. and there's also generation Adidas Cup. Um, and then on top of that I watched the Columbia or columbia u twenty three play against american u twenty three right? And you know, in the Dallas Cups, there were a few Canadian teams I got a chance to see and the question becomes is to me the big difference between i guess north america and latin america or south america two things is number one is when you get control of the ball you kind of it's not effort like you can do it effortless and the second thing is your decision making is much better like you can see you're not taking the ball in possession just to take the ball in possession you know where the next pass is going to and 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 unfortunately for a Canadian American perspective, you see that at the U14, U16, U18. Like That's a, a style play that Canadian youth soccer hasn't adapted yet. And I think we'll need that if we want to compete with these. Like, I don't think, you know, we can beat these people or we can beat Mexico playing against them. But if we want to play with them, we're going to have to learn those skill sets to get to that level. Sure. it's um, a good point. And if we look
0: at, oddly enough, all the notes start rolling in here from this game, as I noted, after that 20-minute mark. And I think that's when you started seeing, you know, Mexico you know, being sort of like that uh, slick fighter who needs a couple rounds just to get warmed up. Oh, okay, okay. And then in the third and fourth round, they start putting their combinations together, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah. They're not just feeling it out; they're going in. And we saw this. I mean, your guy Lo, uh, Lozano again. We saw. <laughs> I mean, he was two things. My early observation, early observations were: is that I don't know if it was intentional or it's just because he is that prodigy type player. But it looked like they were they were getting it down the wing to, to the, yeah, the young think, side. Yeah, I think. I think. Well, I
1: think a combination like. For those who don't know, Hervin Lozano is one of the top prospects in Mexico, and for those who follow prospect, XI. <laughs> we identified him as this prospect. He was in our, well, going way back, he was in our Mexico uh, analysis, he was in our Liga MX analysis, he was in our uh, U20 World Cup analysis, he was in our Top 100 Players Under 20 analysis. <laughs> you know, We've, we've documented it about five or six times on the site. And, you know, I think, what I always say when we're playing Iceland or teams like that, is it's important that the Canadian team prepares. Because I almost think they thought that you don't know who Lerzano is, we will surprise you with his ability, and he, he played up to his ability. You know, we have a profile for him on uh, Prospect XI, which I recently just read, and it identified all of his skill set that he showed in the game tonight, right? So I think he, you know, everyone, everyone has their darlings, right? Sterling with England, Lauren with Canada, right? So everyone, or Morris with the United States, right? So everyone has these darlings. But again, you know, I think he's quality, right? And, and and arguably he's still playing in Mexico at Pachuca. But there's been talk about twenty million dollar transfer fees to Europe if he tends to go if he chooses to go to Europe. Yeah, so. and
0: I think it's, that's an interesting part, because I think obviously everyone looks at Mexico and they look at Javier Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. But I really think what we've seen. I mean, Hernandez scored a, a nice, beautiful yeah, goal this yeah. game, and he was effective. But. That those first set of qualifying games, it was all midfielders yeah. that were dominating the play. Whether it was Guardado, Herrera, Corona, Lozano, those were the guys that were really. When I mean, you yeah. watch those highlights, I didn't watch those ninety minutes, but I watched like the highlight package through sure, Comcast, sure, sure. and it just was play after play of just off the ball, playing. Well, and I, I getting actually I defenders. actually
1: mentioned coming into the game that that Mexico is playing almost a total football, total football. Yeah, they're almost playing a total football-type system, and you see that. And I, I don't know if it's because some of these players are now going playing in Holland and playing in Portugal, but you almost see that now, where the kind of back four, back five isn't your typical six-foot-two center back and wing-backs. It's like everyone can pass the ball, everyone can run with the ball, and it's that build-up play that ends up beating you, right? Of course, it's the, you know, how, how good your technique with finishing and, and the final ball, but, you know, when you... When you're running back, as soon as the guy gets the ball, you know, as soon as the goaltender for Mexico originally distributed the ball, um, Canada were under hind legs. Like, they were running back, not understanding how to hold them. Where with Mexico, Mexico was allowed to almost do a press against Canada because Canada wasn't doing the same, right? Canada was holding the ball in their half and not distributing it quick enough and allowing Mexico to challenge them and, and that You know, if you looked at, you know, statistically, if you looked at a chart in terms of possession, it's not only the amount of possession, but where the ball was most of the time. It would have been in that Canada behind the, you know, center line uh, ahead of their 18-yard box. Yeah,
0: and if, you know, we we obviously discussed Mexico quite a bit already. Yeah. And and we're getting into this first half when we're talking about... This is not a Mexican podcast? (laughs) No.
1: No, enjoying the curling. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
0: um, but you know, I think it is worth saying that in this first half, when we know what the, the score was at the half, which we'll dig into a little bit deeper, we know that this was it was an action-packed first forty-five. But it wasn't one though with that where can it wasn't that like Canada didn't have any chances. No, no, I mean you could say you could say there was probably three clear-cut goal-scoring chances: two from Hoylet, one from Laren. And if you, st- you know, we started that twenty-third minute where um, Adam Straith, Looked like he may have fouled um, Lozano in the box. I think it was Lozano, and then upon the replay, it looked like he may have actually tripped over the ball. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to the referee. And I would say there was a lot of there was a few plays for this game. The referee kind of, he, I think he did his best not to let that sort of Conca calf style play influence his decisions. But right after that, I mean, Laren came right back. We he got he got sprung on the left side. And he, you know, we're here with uh, this quite a, a lot of Mexicans in the bar. They had a laugh that you know on his left side he couldn't he couldn't put it on his left foot, and he tried to do this toe poke where this thing was out and just went over the net. Um, and I'm wondering that you know that's something where it's like the, the, the chances that Canada have, and Hoylett is obviously a, a a little more seasoned professional. But you know when you have your center forward as a guy who's only played one professional year, who's 20. And you have a guy like Lozano who's got over a hundred professional games under his belt at the same age.
1: Yeah, that's, I that's something worth, I think some That's something extent, worth noting. To some extent. Like, again, I think it's a case of... I think there's some truth to that, right? And certainly when we, you know, even when I was analyzing the, the Mexican and South American teams, that's their style, right? It's ironic because a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a week and a half ago, I wrote the RNO article about size in the game and how MLS is now recruiting all these sort of smaller players and stuff like that. Now, arguably, if... And again, you know, it's a far stretch, but if Canada was able to develop six or seven Lauren-type players who were just size above everybody else and controlled every aerial situation and had the speed to run onto the ball, you can... You know, like, like, I think one of the things is, is is because Canada had a limited amount of chances, you're going to analyze those chances and say, oh, you know, he didn't do this, right? And one of the criticisms I've heard against Lauren is his inability to finish, you know, that, that game in the CONCACAF. Gold Cup. Gold Cup. And, you know, I think that's unfair, right? You know, because he's the only guy out there potentially able to make that, be that difference maker, right? You know, right. and if you had a team... Of capability of doing that even if they lack some of the technical skills these these South American
0: players may have I think you would be a very effective team sure and you have you know, I mean you have to mention on the flip side in terms of the depth that Canada has if that was a Haber or Ricketts or whatever I would argue that chance would never even occur in the first place so I mean you have to take that you have to consider that when you bring that criticism forward to that play that where Larian ran out to the ball and he, he kicks it over. Well, it's and like, the, oh, the oh, irony, just to
1: add to my point, is I watch a lot of South American soccer, right? And South American soccer is not against the players of, of large size, right? You know, Colombia have a few of those players. Brazil have a lot of those players. Argentina have a few of those players. And they don't control them, right? They don't turn them into possession-based forwards. They let them go nuts, right? And we and today, earlier I watched Colombia versus uh, uh, Mexico. I mean, Colombia versus United States, and they have this guy Paredes who's this high-profile prospect who's supposed to be coming up, and the guy was completely wrong, right? And he's played those hundred games of professional soccer because they see the athletic talent as such a high skill set over you can play the ball at your feet right like the ball at your feet only has certain value to the game right you know and i would rather have i would rather have a six foot two 180 guy 10.2 hundred meter dash runner who is has 70 percent of the tactical skills of lozano than lozano sure right and so you know again i think there's different responsibilities to different positions on the pitch, and and one of the things that's interesting about Mexico, this te- Mexican team, is they've sort of embraced that smaller, active, possession-based offense, and so they've allowed them to work together, and to their benefit, you know, they beat um, USA to qualify, you know, to the Copa America or something like that, and and it's benefiting them, right? Yeah. Because instead of saying, oh, we need. The six foot five guy or whatever to play here. We're just like, no, we can play as a team, and and it's up to other. Teams in Concacaf to hold, you know, or even at the World yeah, Cup when Mexico makes it there, to chat, you know, to, to play that to say, hey, we can, you know, we can use our strength, we can use our height, we can
0: use it, these things to our advantage, right? Yeah, and if we, if we, maybe if we again use that point to segue back into Canada, <laughs> sir, sir. Yeah. but it's no, I mean, it's completely relevant. I mean, this is our opponent for the next game too, so I think that it is important to focus on everything at hand. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned some some positives for Canada first half. And as much as uh, Mexico, when they turned it on, I mean, there was points where it just looked like they could they could do no wrong. Yeah. Everything they're doing was right. And you have to maybe tip your hat somewhat in that first half to Milan Borjan, who I think sure, if I sure. counted if I counted correctly oh, yeah, yeah. made three diving saves. Like yeah. a really pretty outstanding diving saves from you know well, shots. we have
1: we, talked about this, Ben Dick and Irwin, when we talked TFC podcast. And arguably, he saved literally two, at least two goals in the first half. Like, those, you know, if, if he allowed those goals, you would have been completely acceptable if those goals allowed, right? So, yeah, no, no, I thought he, you know, it was interesting because before the game turned out to how the game was, by, if, you know, let's say, in you know, hindsight, but let's say Canada won this game, it was those certain positions on the field where Canada is actually competitive with Mexico, right? The goaltending, I think our goaltending is equally as competitive. Hutchison, what Hutchison's able to do, that sort of machine in the midfield. I don't think Mexico has that necessarily, right? And arguably, even though Hernandez is an excellent finisher and has a lot of skill set, you know, I would almost regard him, I'm being Canadian biased here, but I would almost say Lauren is almost of that capability, right? It's so, unfortunately for Canada, it's those other positions, it's the, that we're kind of
0: getting overrun on the field. Like. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point and I think I want to, you know, tack on to that Maybe like sort of ro- reeling back a little bit as my my initial impressions were like that was the concerns with Canada was actually goalkeeping because all our keepers none of them are starting on a regular basis sure. and the back line okay. none of those players either if they're not starting right on basis they're in preseason or just starting their regular seasons sure, sure. and haven't had significant minutes so you have you know Milan Borjan who's at Ludogorets in, in Bulgaria not he's not the starting keeper and and. and, and it's been a bizarre situation where I think for like two years or for a year and a half that starter has supposedly been, supposed to have been transferred out oh, okay, and it hasn't, it's fallen okay. through. Yeah, yeah. So he's been in this tough situation. And then you have Henry who's still kind of finding his way at West Ham or getting loans out. Djakovic who's at Shimizu Balls who hasn't started, who's just started the season but he hasn't been playing yet. Straith who's in the second division in Norway that season if it hasn't started it's just starting yeah. and then De Jong, who's at Ottawa Fury yeah. they're still in preseason yeah, yeah. Um, and, and with that in mind again I, I would say that almost to me Borian's performance in is even more impressive Sure, that he's perfect. and he's managed that for the last I mean he hasn't played on a regular basis since he was a civil in Turkey which I think is going back over two years and he's had some pretty outstanding games for us so for him to come out tonight and play like that I think is encouraging and it's just also somewhat frustrating because if he I think if he was in a good situation where he was at a team I mean he was supposed to be at Napoli at one point um, not that maybe he would have been starting there but that would have been definitely like an elite level of um you know, coaching that he would have been under. Well, so. and then to the
1: national teams, too, to Floro and the national teams' credit, I think they, in terms of the roster, I think they picked the players that they needed to pick, right? Like, I, part of me would say, hey, isn't it a chance? Give Grant, give someone who's new or young that opportunity because Mexico's doing it with Lozano. But, you know, we don't really have the guy there who's proven to be capable of in that position through TFC2 or through the MLS teams or USL teams. There's not one guy who said,
0: I deserve to be there that hasn't been there, right? No, not yet. And if we look through, I mean, we haven't really talked about any of those goals in the first half. I mean, I, I, just quickly, I think we know you knew that in a game like this, all it was going to take for that sort of like one mental blip that one lack of discipline and then Mexico's going to capitalize. The first opening goal was, of course, we saw that replay at the halftime where it was like, if I remember correctly, it, was, it looked like it was a play where the players didn't trade off their responsibilities correctly and, and the guy that went wide, uh, Henry should have pinched forward to fill that space. Well, what
1: happened was is Hernandez, Henry was covering Hernandez noticeably, right? Like, he realized that this was his guy and then he kind of got trapped, right? Because the guy on the wing was running away with the ball and Hernandez was still by his side. So he ch- went after the guy with the ball and then,
0: which almost gave Hernandez, I guess, basically a free header to score the goal. Right. right. And, and like, what would have worked out was the happened is Hamish should have closed it down. Djakovic should have traded off on Hernandez and if yeah. I'm not mistaken, De Guzman should have come in and, and pinched on that last guy who laid off the ball. To the wing, okay. and that would have covered everything. That's obviously not what happened. Sure. And we saw this. I mean, when I was watching the the previous games against Honduras and El Salvador, same things happened. Oh, okay. Whereas okay. that when when Mexico had any time on the ball, out on the wings, they no, just, they you just think, sat do on you made think, Do you think?
1: Like again, I don't. You know, I'm not totally aware tactically of what Canada is doing. But do you think Floro is telling? Um, Henry to you watch Hernandez like man marking kind of thing and then that's overbearing you know kind of thing like like is it a positional issue or is it a, is it too much pressure on the players who are
0: regarded as the more impact players I think you know what I think it is I think it is the player I think it's a system in place and it's the player himself recognizing that's okay. Chicharito okay. and okay. take and then losing concentration and saying Worker. shit I gotta watch this guy and then forgetting there's a guy that's what I think would have happened
1: okay because the you know the interesting thing is, is outside of that play Chicharito had a fairly quiet game right like I think he had another shot where she could have scored on hit the post um, okay. yeah okay he hit the post but if I'm scouting Mexico he's a guy that I would target right like a lot of the you know the Lizorno, the Lozorno was more interesting right because number one that was a mistake by the Canadian to give him away the ball. But I don't think he... You know, it's funny because I'm talking... We're talking earlier about people should be aware of this guy and Mexico's using him because Canada's not aware with this guy and it felt that way, right? Because even prior to that, he was beating... Um, De Jong. One-on-one, like, you
0: know, nothing, right? Yeah, it seemed like they... Whether, it, like I said, whether it was intentional, whether it was, A, they recognized there was a mismatch maybe sure. against De Jong with young legs against older legs, or they'd seen that De Jong is not the quickest fullback, or just that they're like this guy is a prodigy player, and we're gonna we're gonna give him lots of possession, and that's and you've kind of. Well, and that
1: would be my like you know, and again, I'm not a coach, I'm not a tactician, but my simple tactics would have been if I saw this Mexico lineup, it stop Lozano, stop Well, I would write about Hernandez, and I say you know this Lozano guy is pretty good as well, and then you know, allow the rest of the team to do what they want against you because you know until Fabian came on in the second half. I don't think I think Mexico plays very well collectively as a unit, but I don't think they're individually um, game breakers, sure. right? And I think Hernandez and Lozano, you know, maybe new to most people now, but I always, you know, you know Lozano was a game breaker. Right? Yeah,
0: and I think that's, I mean, that's obviously the second goal that you yeah. sort of let up, um, where you know Boyan sends it upfield, and just that's it, another another mental breakdown yeah. for Canada where they got caught too far upfield, field and when, when Mexico got the ball back, Lozano sent it back and that player just sprung Lozano back. Yeah. Credit to him. Really good work on him to sort of like win that ball back and then immediately turn and make the break. And when it's Lozano 1v1 against Straith in open field that's another thing that's unfortunate that in, in no world is Adam Straits going to catch up to a my,
1: my my personal my personal add-on to that and only my personal add-on to that is Candace should have Bustos in that same little role because <laughs> he's a guy who could do that against an opposing team right or this uh, Tabla guy who's now with uh, FC Montreal actually Montreal right because we don't have that guy because we did see the play where, um, Lauren broke free, and he ran. You know, you're talking about that where the, where he missed at the end. But the uh, the you know the f- interesting thing, and you know, I think part of the humor that the Mexican fans had is he was running 40 yards of a six foot two, 190 pound guy, and that guy is not supposed to be in necessarily in that role, right? Like if if, if Lauren was also um, athletically gifted to be fast and have great stamina, he would be the greatest player in the world if you add to his height and his capabilities in the box, right? So he's not that, right? And so, you know, we kind of gave him a benefit of the doubt when he was running with the ball, but I think there's players in the Canadian system who could do that, right? Who could run with the ball and and be tricky with the ball and stuff like that. I just think it's it's not necessarily going to give us results right now. And so it's the difficult part is trying to integrate these guys into... senior team and and giving them their chances and stuff like that, right? Yeah,
0: and if so if we look at the end of that first half, Canada's down 2-0 which I think may have been, I mean at one point 1-0, but then it's 2-0 and now you're just hoping that it stays at 2-0 and that's, for what we've seen from Canada over the last I guess two years, I mean Benito Flora hasn't exactly instilled an attacking brand of football it's been more defensive discipline first and then you know, see how the team comes out of it. You know, the one thing that we saw obviously off the hop going in the second half was Tosain Ricketts coming out, who was pretty quiet yes. in the first half. Scott, Arf- Scott Arfield coming in. Whether it was just, a, you know, that the halftime hope, yeah. team talk yeah. That, yeah. That, that boosted them up or whether Arfield actually came in and made a difference, I don't know, but you did see a, a noticeable difference off the hop with Arfield out there on the right side. Yeah. Well,
1: again, I think, I think part of that might be, it's interesting because I think part of that might be the team's choice as well, right? Because Ricketts is not an option, or Arnfield might be an option because of his reputation in England and stuff like that, right? To to add to that, and and again, we might say this with our end-of-the-game point of view, but I thought Hoylett had a disappointing game. Like, in terms of that, because predominantly most of his disappointment was in the first half, so that's why I'm mentioning it now. But I thought he was someone who could have proven to be more... The game changer more impactful and, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, there was there was obviously a lot of moments in the second half, but I think when the game got to 3 yeah, 0. You know, What's that?
1: I said we lost though.
0: Yeah, and when the game got to 3 0. Um, We're I holding think, on. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously the notes got much, fewer, like, uh, weren't as, weren't as uh, detailed by that point. You know, the, I was drinking my pint a little bit quicker than I normally do at the end of a game. I will give... I think you do have to give Canada a bit of credit that they did you know, try to really fight back in that second half. You did see a little more uh, attacking intent, I think, than we did in the first half. But then you just saw, you did see Mexico still have that capability to sort of come back immediately and within a few passes come in to make some happening. And that was just... Uh,
1: well, again, I think I think it put us you know in in some capacity in good stand for the Tuesday game, right? Like I think it it showed that we weren't overplayed. Like if we lost six nothing, seven, five nothing, six nothing in the second half. I think all the heads would have been down going to next game, and the game wouldn't count for anything. I think you know I think they gave Mexico. The amount of respect Mexico deserve, not to embarrass them or not to, you know, to create situations for the next game coming up. I thought it was a very clean game. You know, it sounds weird, but by that point, you want that, right? Because, if, you know, if there's a controversial red card or some stupid play, that could play over till the next game. And arguably, you know, I think the excitement of playing in the Azteca atmosphere and all that kind of thing, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Canada comes out for the first half hour motivated, motivated and who knows right you know like like again you know the irony is is i don't think getting a point in mexico or gaining three points in mexico means much in terms of well getting three points wouldn't mean much but i don't think it's realistic but in terms of you know making it watchable and 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 motivating us for those games against honduras and el salvador i think it's very important right? yeah and
0: maybe that's like outro question because you obviously talked about a toilet having disappointing performance yeah. and maybe let's let's go to this next point in terms of like the actual performances we saw and maybe even some changes that you would make for that game in Azteca or, or ones that you would say yes these are obviously even though you might look at a performance and say it warranted a change considering a match in Azteca would anything stay the same yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything like if I if I look at this this starting lineup now I obviously missed something that um, you know I might get called out for I'm not sure why David Edgar oh okay wasn't included um in the starting 11 so whether he picked up a knock that i did that i just oh, didn't okay. catch in the lead of this but sure. that was that was something that and that was you expected that i would have be- expected him to play okay. and, and i would say this like uh again i don't want to get too deep in case i'm like way <laughs> off the mark but if you know obviously david edgar the last qualifying cycle did play right back and look half decent. If you And if I say, if you're going to stack up Henry or Edgar... Yeah, that yeah. Way.
1: Like, that's the one... I would almost put Henry in the center, right? I think that... Skill-wise, I think he's a more greater benefit center. Now, you know, it's interesting because... How much do you care about the game in Mexico, right? Like, it's not make or break. It's not... Like we got... Ironically, we got the result we wanted today by Honduras and El Salvador time, right? Yeah. So, it's... I'm sure guys want to play it, and I'm sure it's a, it's an iconic moment for them and stuff like that. But do you do you take Larno to the 60th minute, prepare, you know, giving him a break and knowing that he has to be ready for those two games against El Salvador and Guatemala? Do you make decisions in that sense, right? You know, just because you know you're lucky. Like, it's, it's you know we we joked about i don't know if we said in the pod but we joked about this in the alone was you know it's a battle it's not about the battle it's about the war and you know all those cliche yeah. things but that's what the point is the points is getting into the hex it's not about getting a result in azteca you know that really would be cool but that doesn't really have much
0: yeah but though you know what the one thing that kind of just dawned on me and like one thing where i'm saying like uh, the one maybe change I would think is legitimate consideration is maybe our starting from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he, he has a bit of a leg at the end of the game, so hopefully that, he's fine. True enough, but, right. Um, but one thing I'm actually thinking is that with these guys going into Mexico, you know, like you said, result aside, that kind of atmosphere could be good preparation for going into a place like San Pedro Sula in Honduras. Sure, sure. So whether you want to say, this is the team that I know Well of like
1: like I'm saying the Guzman deserves it. But is it a game that you put Petit in that defensive midfielder to yeah. give him that experience and and to you know, to announce to the world that this is the trans you know, this is the transition we're doing with the team kind of yeah. thing, right?
0: And I would say maybe yes. Okay. So that when he gets to Honduras he'll shit his pants. Yeah. Like and that's what I think is or field, too. Sure. I mean, field has never been called up for Scotland. Yeah. So his whole experience is really just playing in... in, in
1: well, in and again, I think, I think the case of Hoylet and Arfield. one of the reasons they signed for Canada was to play in that game. Like, <laughs> like, I think there is a lot of IOUs that Canada has for certain players who've committed to Canada to give them that experience, right? Because that's what some of you are going to tell their kids... 30 years from now that I played in, you know, this stadium and this crowd and, you know, and this happened kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, even though I do feel Honduras, a game in Honduras is probably more threatening
0: than a game in Australia. Yeah, probably, <laughs> but, yeah. You know,
1: so in terms of uh, life experience, I'm sure the Honduras game might equal Yeah, because I don't, but... I don't know
0: if it's much as much as you hear the Canadian, uh, the, the... Senior players, I mean, like literally in age that have been yeah. playing through the '70s and '80s, of playing Azteca, I don't know if every time in Mexico they've had bags of piss thrown on them or or, or batteries thrown at them. I think that was exclusively and again, Honduras. you know,
1: arguably, arguably, and again, you know, it's not till September, but you know, those experiences might you know, make Hollett and and, uh, Arfield really believe in Canada, right? Knowing what we're up against. Because again, I think some of the impression, if you're an outside fan of Canada and you're watching this game and you're watching us, you're thinking of us as almost spoiled in a sense, you know, look, we can get 55,000 people to a very nice stadium for a big game against Mexico and we can hang out with Mexico and have a great time in the stadium, um, but we're not true soccer, we don't really experience soccer at its grittiest level and stuff like that and, you yeah. know, I, I would think England would struggle playing a game in Honduras, I think any country in the world would struggle in that atmosphere and yeah. that's part of what it takes to be a successful team in Concord Camp yeah. it's not just winning the game in BC or you know, at BMO Field. Right, yeah, and I, it's
0: like a bit of a sidebar, but I do remember when Torsten Frings came to Toronto City that fall and he, he got into some of the CONCACAF Champions League games. Okay. And they played, uh, I can't remember the team that was out of Nicaragua. Drawn oh, blank. yeah, yeah,
1: Med- Medellin or...? No,
0: is- Anyways, I'm pretty sure it was a team out of Nicaragua. Okay. And I just remember seeing, like, f- people were taking, like, players were taking yeah. photos and he was, like, on his phone oh, in okay, the change okay. room taking pictures out on the field. Because it was like a pitch that I'm sure he's never set yeah, foot yeah, on his life. Yeah. That was more like a cow pasture sure, than sure. it was like a soccer field. Sure. And uh, I think I'm interested to see or hear what players like on our field who's only ever experienced, you know, football in Great Britain and even more yeah. to an extent when they get to a Mexico or a Honduras. You know, yeah. Like if their, their jaw drops and their eyes bug out of their head yeah. of like, wow, you're right. And, and to an extent saying like almost maybe a level of respect of saying like, wow, this is what had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. They kind of get a bum rap for oh, their yeah, position yeah. in world football. Yeah. You know, as if if they had to if they were in uh, UEFA yeah. and had to play only on immaculate pitches in well, Luxembourg. Arguably, and- you know, yeah, yeah. Like like it's a combination. You know, and again,
1: I don't want to get into social science, <laughs> but it's the combination of a passion for football, which you cannot deny Central American and Caribbean people have. And, and they're just life, livelihood, right? You know, if you went to games in Africa, you'd be probably the same experience. Sure. But only yeah. those places would provide you those experiences. You know, it's funny because you'll see England or Germany in, in a group stage with Croatia or Serbia and be, you know, and be intimidated by those atmospheres, right? And I'm right. not saying Croatia is not intimidating. I'm just saying that there is a bit of... Um, um, uh-huh. European experience in Serbia, right? right. Where where Honduras is a, uh, you know, no, and that's not disrespectful to Honduras, but it's it's a different world, right? Yeah.
0: So let's uh maybe like uh, finish this podcast off. Try did to do. Did you, you want to do any sights and sounds of your impression of the stadium and
1: the well, atmosphere? My, my
0: we weren't there, unfortunately, yeah. so we can't do the the. You traditional, saw Christian Knowles on the uh, uh, yeah on the march, <laughs> so we can't do the traditional one we do for Eastside Stand Up in terms of Toronto FC where we're literally in the stadium. Well, would, would we be? And again, this is going to be
1: controversial, but is a Toronto TFC fan base would we be that accommodating to the Mexicans? Because it seemed like a mutual party in the crowd,
0: right? It seemed very. Kind of. Wow. Well, having yeah, have, having been to so many games at uh, BMO Field with like uh, whether it was Ecuador, yeah, that was one that was like a little bit eye opening in terms oh, okay. of how many. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying the numbers. Like I went
1: to, you know, I probably went to the last most important Canadian soccer game, which was the qualified game against game in Varsity Arena, right, or Varsity Stadium, and that crowd I think was probably 60-40 40. Mexicans over Canadians just sure. because the price of the tickets and what they're willing to go for that, and because again, soccer wasn't huge, so there wasn't that much of fanfare from the Canadians to watch that game. But there was a divide, yeah right? Like it was us against them, and it was uh you know it wasn't like oh we're you know hands <laughs> you know doing kimbaia and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting your hands around the guy and those you know split jerseys where it's half Mexican and half Canadian. <laughs> yeah, or right. half you're sharing a scarf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so... And again, I'm just being a contra- double advocate because I know we'd probably be as bad. But, yeah. you know, but the funny thing is is when you're trying to sell a 55,000 seat stadium, you're going to have to have a, a large amount of Mexicans in the stadium to make it doable, right? Yeah. You know, so if you had the Canadian thing and you said you had to be Canadian supporter to buy a ticket first, you could yeah. fill 20,000 people... In, in in BMO, yeah. and maybe only have 5,000 Mexicans because you guys gave that segue to give the Canadians a chance to jump ahead and, and sure. fill the place out, right? Yeah yeah yeah, you
0: know. Yeah, um, but I, w- I kind of want to like finish it by trying to spin these okay, sure. final games, um, and we we have talked about it a little bit already, but I think maybe to finish it on that point so that the listener maybe it doesn't feel though so down with <laughs> yeah, this 3-0 loss. I thought we were through.
1: I yeah. got money. I will put right now if anybody wants to bet me that that can's not going to get hex, I'll take that bet. Right? That's that's how confident you know I you know I bet anyway, but sure, that's yeah. how confident I am with that selection, yeah, right? I, mean, I think the draw is through. Right? Because even now if Canada draws out, and I that, that doesn't mean the Mexican game, right? We can lose the Mexican game, whatever. But I think the case now is if we draw out in Honduras and at home against El Salvador will go through and and arguably now I think I gotta see what the result is for the Honduras El Salvador game but I think we can lose in Honduras and win El Salvador and still go through and if we can't do that then 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 you know we need uh what do you call it like we really need to be critical of this team sure right because we should beat El Salvador at home no matter where
0: the game is right so yeah yeah and, it, and if you sort of put it into perspective I mean this Honduras team yeah, it, it doesn't like look good. Struggling.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look good, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, if El Salvador... Was... I think El Salvador was at home.
0: Okay. So so I'm assuming, I'm
1: going through this assuming that Honduras wins at the next game. Like, if Honduras ties the next game, then all we need is some sort of results in the final two games. And sure. we're for sure through, right? Yeah. So again, I and, and it's, you know, it's that was one of the criticism I had with... And again, I understand Canada's trying to sell tickets, Canada's trying to hype the event. But this notion that we needed to get points from Mexico to fill our goal... You know, I don't even think that's viable in the hex, right? Because I think in the hex, we saw USA, or we didn't see it, but USA lost to Guatemala today. And so there is targets within the Kaka camp that we can beat. To get to the World Cup, which sure. should be our goal and should have always been our goal, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, Mexico is cool. You know, I said this when we did the last TFC pod, right? Mexico is our Germany, our Spain. It's great to play them. It's you know, it's it's a uh, it's how we can compare ourselves to and where we have to get to. Yeah. But you know, we don't count. Them.
0: <laughs> yeah. We
1: shouldn't count those games as the make or break it or, yeah. or the games that you know.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think. What whether I said it on the podcast or after, I was saying. Um, you know, there's obviously a golf in in the two in Canada and Mexico, yeah. but when you talk about Canada and Honduras and El Salvador, that's a different conversation, and that's the one I think that we realistically should be looking at yeah. for the last two games, and that's the one where I think, like you said, we you should have a more critical debate and discussion about, and especially like you said now, whatever the result is, if it's a negative one, then we can be really critical of the program. Yeah. You know? So that maybe let's leave it on that. Let's leave it on yeah. the point saying. Canada supporters, don't lose your shit. <laughs> don't jump off buildings. Don't lose your shit if we get beat and in Mexico. Hang tight. The next set of games, that's in September. Yeah, those are the ones. That let's are get right. the one. Let's get focused on that, and that's the ones where we're... Well, then we'll shit our pants
1: yeah. on
0: the results. Yeah. So let's not get too down. Any Obviously, any result would be a positive thing to come away with, but things can still fall in our favor yeah. no. and get where we need to be. Aaron Nielsen, thanks for coming out tonight. No you know, obviously, everyone—if they listen to side <laughs> stand up from a Trumps C perspective—no, I'm I'm part of the Herving Lo-
1: Lozano fan club.
0: <laughs> yes. And with with FC on an eight game road trip, um, you know you've obviously you've been almost on every there. podcast to start the season, <laughs> um, so they know you're at. I'm the TFC drinker, so yeah. I come out to. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's happening. Someone invites
1: you to a bar, I'm right there. <laughs> Holy shit, wings
0: and beers—that's all it's been. I'm like, gotta keep running. And tomorrow we'll be running on the treadmill. Uh, to get that off. So, uh, pros- at Prospect XI, Prospect yeah. 11, yeah. you can find him at. Uh, and the you know, article's coming up on Red Nation Online to keep an eye out yeah, for it. Yeah, Whether it's yeah. uh, this season, you've been even pulling together some sort of state of the game in North America, sure, MLS sure. articles. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you've been I saw you put out a whole bunch of, a slew of, I saw a whole bunch of tweets you're putting out. in terms Yeah, of yeah, like,
1: scouting evaluations. Yeah, evaluations and, like and
0: comparing players from a few years back yeah. and what they're coming yeah. out now. yeah, yeah. So and, then, yeah, yeah. and,
1: and and I guess on RNO continue with that. And then also I'm trying to do a sort of preview to the USL and NL and so SL, which are starting this week and the upcoming week. So.
0: Right. And then of course people catch me at Clark Renault. Info or have your say at Red Nation Online. Um, I think the next time you're gonna hear from us is gonna be Colorado next weekend, just because the midweek game is gonna be really tricky for Canada to catch that. So um, but we might we might mention this, that next game on that podcast so we'll leave it at that you'll obviously hear from us in the next weekend and thanks for listening try to stay positive it's all you know, good man it's all stay good. off Twitter it's all good stay off Twitter and you should be good. okay and, uh, and we'll catch you guys next time thanks for listening cheers we want you to get involved reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us, let us know how you thought the team did. Agreed, disagreed, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.